that point to the birth of Jesus. Different people have tried to count. One person said there's at least 400 references or prophecies or predictions of the birth of Jesus. And they all say different things about uh, the new saviour or a new king that God was going to send one day to save the Israelites and that they should have hope in that. If you were one of God's people uh, back in the Old Testament times, before Jesus had been sent, and you knew that God was going to send a saviour, what would you imagine he'd be like? What would you imagine he'd be like? Perhaps he'd be a kind of a Jewish superhero. I don't know what that is, but a lot of the superheroes... Did you know a lot of the superheroes were invented by Jewish people during the time of the war, interestingly? Maybe that's who you'd think of, Superman. I don't know. Maybe he'd be powerful. Maybe he'd be rich. Maybe he'd be good-looking. Maybe you'd think of Donald Trump. Donald Trump who said, to be blunt, people would vote for me. They just would. Why? Maybe because I'm so good-looking. Maybe you'd vote for... Maybe you'd think of someone like that. Well, what kind of Messiah would this person be? And the Micah passage, the Micah prophecy, is one of the great famous... Um, passages in the Old Testament that points to the birth of Jesus and we like to read it out at Christmas and that's what we've just had um, read out to us. And that has something really important to say and that's what I'm going to focus on this morning. And that is that the future Messiah would be a kind of a nothing baby. A nothing baby. In verse 2, It says in Micah chapter 5, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me, one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Bethlehem was a little town. It was an unimportant town, and it kind of still is today, actually except for the fact that Christians all around the world associate it with the birth of Jesus. Our family often goes on, on uh, driving holidays. I love to be the driver. And I love to, we're about to go on one actually in Tasmania. Uh, next week we're leaving. And I love to drive through all the little towns and, the, and the, you know, the, those really small Australian towns with silly names like Nanagoon. You know, Nanagoon or, um, you know... Um, Poowong, Poowong in South Gippsland. As my dad would say, blink and you'll miss it. And they've often got like a, um, a cool eccentric uh, antique store and um, maybe one little cafe with a very eager person to sell you something. And so we'd stop there. God revealed to Micah that this saviour was going to come from Nanagoon. Well, not Nanagoon. He was going to come from Bethlehem, an equally strange small little town. One of the great truths revealed in the story of the Bible is that God doesn't seem to call the wise people. He doesn't seem to call the powerful people. He doesn't seem to call the rich people. Rather, God calls the weak things of this world to build his kingdom. It's strange if you think about it. God's kingdom is actually made up of weak people, sick people, rejected people, blind people. Unimportant people. The kingdom of God is made up of nothing people. 
By nothing people, I mean that people would look at them, the world would look at those people and say, they're not very significant at all. They're not special. But to God, they're really special. They're special to God. In fact, the prophet Micah said, the Saviour, even though the Saviour would come from this nothing town of Bethlehem, that this Saviour's origins are of old, from ancient times. And that's the thing about Jesus. He's born into a nothing kind of status, in a stable, in a barn, with parents who are not important either. And yet he's the Son of God, the Emmanuel, God with us, from the ancient days. This nothing baby was actually an everything baby. If it's the saviour of the world that, that actually establishes this whole pattern for the kingdom of God, that all the people that will follow him should also become nothing people. When this baby Jesus would grow up, he would say things like, whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Jesus never wanted his disciples to try and be important at all. He didn't want them to be powerful or successful in the world's eyes. That's not the kingdom way. And this was a hard lesson to learn. One time, two of the disciples, James and John, said that they wanted to sit in heaven with Jesus for eternity on his left and his right. And Jesus said, no, you don't want that. You don't know what you're even asking. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This nothing baby became an everything saviour. He became a servant that went so low that he went to the heights of the universe. It's this kind of amazing paradox of the kingdom of God. And if it's true for Jesus, it's true for us. Martin Luther once said when he was preaching on um, the creation of the world, and he was preaching from Genesis chapter 1, he said, God created the world out of nothing. As long as you are not yet nothing, God cannot make something out of you. In other words, we have to learn to be humble if we're going to follow Jesus. And that's at that point that God starts to change our lives when we give up our lives for him. God chooses to make us strong by working with our weakness. On Monday, I had the funeral of my grandfather, who died at the amazing age of 97. Pretty incredible. And he was, to me, a great example of a disciple of Jesus who really was a nothing man. He was a nothing man. Finished school at year 10, did a trade, was, was in employment for some time, not always in employment. Um, never went to uni or, or um, gained a lot of wealth. He was always kind of just a, a working, kind of a, a middle class, lower middle class Australian. But when he was in the world war, in World War II, he converted to Jesus and he found Jesus and and his life changed, and he became kind of a, an average, normal Christian. He read his Bible, he prayed, he went to church. 
He was passionate about his faith, and he wanted to serve God in the best way that he could. And he did so in very simple and sacrificial ways. And what he did with my grandmother was that since the 1970s, they opened their home to um, overseas students, uni students. And, you know, people would come from Malaysia, Hong Kong, Singapore, Japan, India, and these students would come one or two at a time looking for accommodation, but in fact they got a family. And not only that, but they would be evangelised. And something like about 80 or 90% of them who lived with him became Christians, who finished their uni degree saying yes to Jesus. One became a missionary, and he's still a missionary to this day in um, Japan. One went home as a kind of uh, uh, one of Malaysia's leading um, surveyors and worked for the government and planted a church. And so through his simple sacrificial act of opening his home and, and sort of almost adopting these students into his life, this nothing man became everything in the kingdom of God, following in the way of the nothing baby who became everything for the universe. He was never, my grandfather was never a trained minister, yet he was more effective, I reckon, than a lot of clergymen. He never worked for a church, but he took seriously God's call on his life, being a servant for others. And through his life, my grandfather, he faced all kinds of ups and downs like everyone does, but he never lost his singular focus to live for Jesus. Even up until the last months of his life, when he was in the nursing home, he was very sick, he was still witnessing to the staff at the nursing home. And evidence of of the impact that he had, this nothing man who wasn't very important in the eyes of the world, was that as a 97-year-old, he had 200 people at the funeral. Now, I've done a lot of funerals, and basically you can draw a graph. The older you get, once you pass about sort of 85 or or so, the funerals get smaller and smaller, basically because all your friends die off one by one, and your family too. And so I would normally expect a 97-year-old to have a funeral with with maybe 30 people in in a a funeral parlour. But with my grandfather, there was, looking out, there was a sea of faces, many young people, many people in their 50s who were you know, students in the 70s, 80s and 90s, Asians, Indians, um, people from all kinds of parts of the world, some who'd flown in. A person of low status, not an intellectual, not famous, not wealthy, not powerful, and yet he lived the Jesus way and made this impact. This is the way of the baby that was born in Bethlehem. So this Christmas, what we've got to do is remember this prophecy from Micah, that from this funny little town in Bethlehem, God would make something amazing out of nothing. The Christ child would be born, the servant king, and he would go on to live his life and save the world. And the pattern of his life would determine the pattern for the whole kingdom of God. This baby Jesus will rise up and shepherd his flock, says the passage, in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and that as a result we will live securely under the protection of the great shepherd, 
because his greatness has reached us living at the ends of the earth in this nothing country of Australia. Amen.